Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm John Steele, and as always, it's great to be together for another episode. Now, I'm sure most of you can tell just by listening to my voice, it's probably matured drastically since last week, but I have officially grown a year older since the last time we hung out together. That's right, I'm squarely in the middle of my 30s at the ripe old age of 35. I don't know what made me think of it, but I was reminded of a birthday from my college days at Indiana Wesleyan. I want to say that my birthday landed on a Friday that year, which is always exciting. And in celebration, my friends suggested that we go to the Buffalo Wild Wings that had recently opened in town. Now, as you all remember from your own days of being college students with little cash to spend on extravagant things, you try to choose wisely the times you eat out. So, if there's ever a shot at a free meal, you take it. And being taken out by some of my best friends in the world for my birthday seemed like a slam dunk for getting a delicious free meal. Happy birthday to me. So we hopped in the car, bellies growling with hunger, my excitement growing at hanging out with my friends off campus and eating somewhere other than the cafeteria for my birthday dinner. We're seated at the restaurant, handed a menu, and my mind began to race at all the delicious options. And, knowing I had a crew of five or six buddies there who would split up the bill, I likely ordered a slightly larger order of wings than normal, maybe added a side of fries because I was feeling really fancy. Mind you, no one had said the magic words, John, order whatever you want, tonight is on us. But I knew these dependable friends had me covered. Well, the meal eventually came, and we beheld in awestruck wonder the bounty placed before us, and we ate. We ate with abandon, like kings reveling in the sweet and spicy glory that is B-dubs, me the confidently not-paying birthday boy more than any. We shared stories, we laughed, we ate. It was glorious. Happy birthday to me. Well, eventually, as even the greatest of things do, our meal came to an end. It was finally time to head back to campus for the night. We asked for our bills. And it was at this moment that my fears began to grow a bit, as no one had said, it's this guy's birthday, can you split his check up on all of ours? Or, put your wallet away, John, this one's on me. But I dismissed those fears, thinking there might still be a chance. Maybe seeing me, the celebrated one, the birthday boy himself, holding his own check on his own birthday would spark the generosity I had been banking on this whole time. But alas, the moment never came. I slowly opened my wallet, giving my friends one last chance to claim my tab. I looked around the table as I pulled out my card. No one noticed the tragedy that was occurring right in front of them. I slid my card into the plastic tab inside the black book, closed the cover, and surrendered my fate and my bank account to the waiter or waitress. I was quiet on the ride back. Happy birthday to me. And as you can tell, I'm totally over it. But I did learn two important lessons from that parabolic day. First, Never assume someone is going to pay for your birthday meal and order accordingly. Two, always pay for your friends on their birthday. That should go without saying. Hey, how about we get to the episode? This week, you'll get to hear my conversation with Claire, a student who recently graduated with a PhD from the University of Michigan. 
She was also part of Rick Matson's evangelism cohort for graduate students. As you listen, I think you'll clearly hear Claire's heart for evangelism and how she longs to make Jesus known to the people in her context. She also has some helpful tips for us as we continue to work out our own vision for evangelism after college. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Claire. Enjoy. Claire, welcome. It's really exciting to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Claire, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you went to school, when it was that you graduated, some of your background. We'd love to hear just a little bit about who you are. I grew up in a small city in China. And when I was in high school, I moved to the U.S. I was in high school in upstate New York. And then for undergrad, I went to Emory University in Atlanta. There I studied applied math, which led to my graduate school at the University of Michigan for five years. I was there and I just graduated this April. And I started working in the Bay Area just two weeks ago. Wow. So each stage of your schooling and your life after schooling has taken you to some very interesting and different places from New York to Atlanta to Michigan to now out in California. Let's go back in time. How is it that you got involved with InterVarsity in the first place? When I was in undergrad, that was the time when I got into more closer relationship with some Christian friends and realized the importance of a faith community and fellowship with the church. And in the summer leading up to my graduate school, I was searching online for Christian fellowship for graduate students at the University of Michigan. And out it came, the university chapter. And I just joined the first couple of Bible studies and I really enjoyed the connection and the Bible studies. And after that, I was there for five years. How did that change going from undergrad to grad level as far as what it looked like to live out your faith. Did that change? Did it feel like there was a switch in what it looked like to live out your faith on campus? Definitely. I was still in the process of trying to figure things out in undergrad. It didn't occur to me as much sort of being a witness as central of my life. I think it's more in graduate school that I start to form also social relationship with people around um, just because of the work environment, the office that we are in uh, together, and that led to closer conversation, more hangout together, just having lunch together, and seeing people every day. And I think that naturally forms a closer connection. And as I think about and talk more about evangelism and in the graduate chapter, we also have to think about how to really apply it. And there are friends around us that need God and need the gospel. So that became more real in graduate school. That was interesting for me in my master's degree. I did every single class with these seven other people, just the eight of us together all day, every day for two years for this program. I mean, I had my tight knit group of friends in undergrad, certainly, but this was very different. My whole program, we were there together all the time. And it was interesting to see the way that that time spent together started to roll into creating open doors for having conversations about faith, that it was very much about just quality time spent together, building trust, and then watching for those opportunities to start sharing faith. I imagine that that was a similar experience that you had as well. Definitely. So as you think about your time in InterVarsity, was there anything you look back on and just remember with great fondness? I would say Urbana 2018. Going in, I didn't have any sort of expectation. But it was an interesting season, and I think uh, God really used it to work in my life. So this goes back to, I think, second year of my graduate school. At that point, I was also thinking 
what does it look like for me to live life with an eternal purpose and not to waste life. And that has always been at the back of my mind. And I was also thinking, well, what does it mean if I go into industry and get a technical job? And would that be more or less valuable and eternal than doing ministry full time? And I was stuck at this place when I didn't know, well, if I go into full-time ministry, then what does it mean for all these years that I just learned all these knowledge in the technical field? Are they going to be wasted? So I thought, well, why don't I just leave it for a moment and then I go to Urbana? Well, I always hear that this is a mission conference where people get more time with God, more closer relationship with God. I would just go and see what happens. So toward the end, I still remember I was praying and I was getting convinced that since I was put in this technical field for so long that God has me here for a reason. That I'm not going to just abandon this. And at this point, at least, I was pretty convinced that I was going to continue in the tech field. And it is a field where it means the gospel. And I should be a faithful witness in the technical field where I am already at. So I messaged my introductory staff, Rob Nasty at Michigan. And I said, well, can we talk for a bit? Because I still couldn't get over this part where... I'm going to live a life in the industry, and it can be an excellent life with higher incomes. I struggle to understand how that looked like to be a faithful Christian in the sense that I'm not going to store up a lot of money for myself, and how that would impact the way I see God, the way I interact with people, the way I see even myself and my identity. And I was talking to Rob, and he brought up one of our elders at our church, and he's a great example of a faithful witness in his field. He's a professor at the medical school at Michigan, and God is really using him in the field. He has been put in this position where people see his work, they see how he interacts with people, and they become curious, and he is an outspoken Christian. That was a turning point to me in terms of realizing that in the technical field, there are a lot of needs and I am here for a reason. What an interesting struggle that I think a lot of us go through at one time or another. It's just so easy to feel like there are two different kinds of jobs. There are the sacred jobs and there are the secular jobs. This one is very holy and is very much in tune with and in line with evangelism and sharing the gospel and seeing God's kingdom built. And this one is just for doing a thing, accomplishing a task, taking care of projects, whatever it might be. And it's so easy to separate those two and to not realize that, no, this thing that you're calling secular, this is also a very sacred realm as well, that there is so much work to do here. You have access to people and influence on people that your pastors never will, or that a campus minister never could. What an interesting struggle and such a great thing that you came out the other side with of, no, there's a reason that I'm being taken into this field. And I'm going to have a lot of opportunities for witness as a result of being in this place that other people wouldn't have a chance to interact with. What a helpful thing, I think, for all of us to be considering that no matter what field you are in, there's an opportunity for you to be sharing your faith there. It's all just a matter of watching, listening, and starting to take the opportunities that show up over time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that you have worked fairly closely with Rick Matson as part of your grad and faculty experience. 
Yeah, so he had an evangelism cohort that I was part of, and that was a great experience. Tell me a little bit about what this cohort was for. Yeah, so he has this bigger picture of us always talking about being a witness in our community, in our work environment, but what it really means in practice. What does it look like? And a lot of us actually feel the need to share the gospel and be a witness when conversation comes up and when opportunity comes, but we lack some concrete techniques in how to gear the conversation toward gospel-centric conversation or how to connect with people in a more natural way. I think that there are a number of people who look at being in a post-college and post-grad school world and wonder, how is it that I actually share my faith with the people around me? When we're a part of InterVarsity, there's a lot of things that are set up for us and that are geared towards Here's something that we're going to do so that we can share our faith with the campus or so that you have an opportunity to share your faith with your friends. And that shifts a little bit as a grad student and that it shifts again as you step into life after college. And so I'd be interested to know what are some of the principles that you walked away with that helped prepare you to step into this next phase of life and to continue being someone who shares the gospel? Are there things that you can share with the rest of us that are helpful tools that we could take into the workplace for? being people who want to live out our faith in real ways? This definitely varies between people just in terms of their personalities, how God is using them in their workplace and in their study. But I think it's very important to keep reminding ourselves that God goes before us and we have the relationships around us. We have all those connections and we have those friends for a reason. And God is already working in the hearts of people around us. For me, I am always intrigued about hearing people's story. That interest always drives me to connect with people. I also always present myself as a Christian from the get-go, so it doesn't appear all of a sudden. As people are sharing, they are also willing to listen to my perspective, and some of them think, well, it's interesting, and people might think differently. Some people might think, well, it's great that this works for you, and People have different levels of curiosity, and I think a key is just to have a listening ear, and I think opportunities opens up. People in general have a deep yearning, a deep need for satisfaction not coming from a material world. They might or might not realize it, but that is true, and God knows it, and we as Christian also know it. And as I form a closer relationship with people, I really deep down think the best gift for them that I can give to them is Christ. And I think as I really deeply care about them, that is the best I can give for them. A couple of things that stand out to me as you're talking, and you mentioned it multiple times, listening. It seems so often that when we think about sharing our faith, that we think it's all about the right words to say at the right time. I've got to give this five-point explanation of why somebody should believe in Jesus. And it sounds to me, more than anything else, you mentioned listening and hearing people's stories. At least to start with, it's not quite so much about us having the right words to say. It's far more about us being willing to sit down to maybe ask some questions and just to listen to people's stories. Sounds like that's been a pretty important part of your evangelistic life thus far. Well, that is driven by my interest in listening to people's stories, but 
definitely, I think people also love sharing their story. I think a lot of them yearn for close relationship with people and they want understanding from people. And I think as people start to share about their thoughts, it sometimes becomes clear to them what their belief system is. Maybe a lot of them never even deeply thought about faith. And as they start to talk about it, maybe it becomes clear to them. That's really interesting that even them talking about their own story can be something that starts to connect the dots for them. Obviously, there are places for us to share what we believe, what we think, why we do what we do, but that sometimes just getting somebody else to talk can be something that starts to connect the dots about, oh yeah, you know what? I didn't really even realize that that's what I believe or that's what I'm putting my hope in. But now I can see that just based on this conversation that we're having. Almost some ownership that they get to take themselves of why they believe what they believe. And I think as they share, they are also more willing to hear what do you think? And if they already know that I'm a Christian, they might be curious also to hear from the other side, the other perspective. I think that is the time also I can share about my, my faith. And something else that stood out to me before is that you said there will be some people then that are interested, that are curious, that want to hear more. But you said there are also some people who will say, well, it's good that that works for you, but I'm not really interested in that. And it sounds like we just need to go in with the mindset that some people will say yes and some people will say no and it's not because i did it wrong and it doesn't mean that you're done but that we need to be prepared for okay maybe they're not going to be ready to just jump in with both feet right off the bat and i need to be okay with people maybe telling me no for right now definitely people are very different in their mindsets and i think uh, one thing I've learned throughout this is I need to be patient and trust God goes before us. And even when people seem to not be interested at one point, like you say, we are not done yet and God is not done yet. Keep praying for them and having a heart for them. And we are here for being a witness. And I think part of our witness is also how we live our life and how we build relationship with people. Another thing that I hear coming up pretty consistently as you're sharing, Claire, is the importance of prayer as a constant part of this process. Maybe you get some of that pushback that lets you know that ah, maybe right now the sort of overt question asking, maybe they're just not in a place where that's okay. Right now, my job is to be present with them, to continue investing in our friendship, but I am going to pray 10 times harder than I was before because that's the thing I can do right now and make prayer a foundational part of what drives your evangelistic efforts. Yeah, and that is very energizing for me also. I would say through this process, God also works in my heart and drawing me closer to Him. I think definitely there are times when, for example, I'm asked questions of my faith where I, by myself, I don't know how to reply in a good way. And I think there are times when I really have to say to God, God, you will have to work because I don't know how to reply to this question. Or in times when I think about going to ask someone for a coffee and just chat about faith, when I have that purpose in mind, I pray harder and, and asking God, God, you have to work. I don't want this coffee chat to be in vain. It's during those times when I am stronger in my faith. That makes me think of 
I wish I could remember the actual passage that it's from, but at some point Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, when you're brought before these people, when you're expected to give an answer for why it is that you're doing what you're doing, he's like, don't be afraid of whether or not you'll have the right words, because in that time, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. You know, that's not some flippant like, okay, well, I don't need to be concerned about it because when I'm there, the Holy Spirit, that's just a reminder of like, okay, I need to lean into the Holy Spirit as I am going into these times, making the Holy Spirit my constant companion as I'm thinking about having conversations with these people. So what does my prayer life look like as I'm asking when the time comes, please come through on this promise that Jesus made to us that you were going to give me the words to say. I would imagine that sometimes the right words to say are you know, I don't know the answer to that question because maybe that shows humility on your part. You don't know it all and you're okay with letting them know that. Maybe it opens up an opportunity to say, could we talk again after I've had some time to think about this? Or depending on the situation that maybe it lets you say, could we actually look at that together because I don't have an answer for you. Could we research a little bit together? I think it shows also that a Christian, as they become a believer, doesn't have to know everything. And that puts the guard down because they might think, well, what if I had to know all these things in order to be a Christian? And that is not true. And it's good that they see that part of Christian life also. So one thing that I think is really easy for us to talk about and for people just to hear and kind of like, okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, you know, as we talk about making prayer a constant part of this, not that you need to give us some word for word example, you don't need to crack open your prayer journal or anything, but I would be interested to know for you practically, what does making prayer a constant part of this process look like for you? Do you have any thoughts about prayer specifically and praying for your friends who don't know Jesus that people could tuck away in the back of their minds as we sit there on the couch? thinking like, okay, now's the time when I would like to pray for my friends. And maybe we feel stuck in how to do that. Are there tips that you can provide for us about what that prayer looks like for you at least? Feeling stuck is very relatable for me. I would say for me, when I sit down and it's quiet, my mind starts to wander and I just can't focus. I can't concentrate. If I try to pray, I might think of something else and it doesn't come back. So the way I do this nowadays, and I still I'm in the process of working my way there and learning also. I like to talk out loud. I go for a walk sometimes. I uh, look at God's creation and just start by telling God how I feel. I think God knows everything. He doesn't need us to tell him, but oh, how great it is that we can connect with him and talk to him this way. And I think that also focus my mind to not all of a sudden think about something else because I'm talking to God just as talking to a friend. And I think is a good analogy I've heard that how do we get closer to our friend is we spend more time with them and talking to them. And I think talking out loud for me is a good way to do it. And I got into this habit of journaling also. And that also is a good way to force me to be focused on one thing because as I said, my mind goes around in different directions. And as I write down, I can't really start writing down something else. I have to finish the sentence. And that also will write my journal as a prayer. And I'm writing to God just talking about my struggle and my daily life and just being really frank. There's nothing that I need to hide between me and God because he knows everything. And if I am indeed struggling with my prayer also, I can frankly tell God that, you know, I feel exhausted now and I don't know what to say, but God gives me strength to talk to you and connect with you. And I think God desires that. God desires a relationship with us and he definitely desires that we 
also have that yearning to be close to him and that prayer, I think he will listen. What a great reminder that even in our prayer life, we don't have to have it all together, that we can be honest with God about, I know that this is good for me, but I'm really having trouble engaging with it. And I want to pray well for my friends, but I'm struggling to stay engaged with praying. Some of those very practical things of when you're sitting down with your other friends, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to silently communicate with each other. Let me see if I can send my thoughts to you. But that speaking out loud very practically would be a simple way to keep yourself on track. Speaking your friends' names out loud as you're praying for them, as if you were actually telling another friend a story about a mutual friend or to write things down. It's amazing how simple oftentimes the practices that can be most helpful are. It's so easy to just completely over-spiritualize or think that it must be something very complicated to connect easily with God or to connect more effectively with God. And it's like, no, it's pretty much the same as any other relationship because being relational creatures is something that's modeled after God himself. And so if this is stuff that works pretty well from human to human, it's probably going to work well between us and God as well. Those are such helpful things as we think about what does it look like to be on mission? What does it look like to be evangelists in our everyday life? Claire, one of the last questions that I want to ask you is, since graduating from undergrad, since graduating from your grad program, if you could go back and give yourself some advice to prepare you for the next stage, or if there was another person who was getting ready to graduate that you had an opportunity to give some advice to, is there any advice that you would have for new graduates as they step into this new phase of life? I would say just be open in terms of what God has to provide and just lean on God for what he has for us. He has led us here and he will continue to lead us in. He has a good purpose for us because we are his sons and daughters and he will not forsake us. And I think having that eternal perspective in our mind, we will continue to be faithful. Once again, it sounds like continuing to live into that idea that God goes before you, that he's bringing you where you're going on purpose. He has a reason for it and trusting in that purpose, even if in the moment we might not necessarily see what's happening. That sounds like a great thing to walk away with. Claire, thank you so much for giving some of your time to share these stories. It's been so interesting to get to hear about your experiences and to hear so practically from someone about evangelism and taking away some practical tools to share our faith in the public sector, in life after college. I think that your words will be a huge blessing to people as they listen to these things. Thanks for having me. And as I said, as I talk out loud, also, I start to store out some of my thoughts. So it helps me a lot also. That's great. It's good to know that the experiences we hope our friends will have, we can have those same experiences as we're sharing about these things. It's been so much fun to chat with you, Claire. Yeah, it's great talking to you, John. Continue to lean on God because he has a good purpose for us. Alumni, students, staff, ministry partners, and anyone else who's listening in, I hope you hear that encouragement from Claire. You are his child, and he has good purposes for you. You can hear me say it in the intro of every episode, life after college is hard. I mean, life in general is hard. You're not just deficient. You're not just doing it wrong. It just is hard. But in the midst of that, God is faithful. He is directing you, and he has good purposes for you. Even as you doubt, even as you languish in a job you don't enjoy, even as you feel lonely, lost, confused, God is in the middle of something good in you. Keep going, keep leaning on him, and continue trusting in his good purposes for you.
Thanks, Claire, for your words of wisdom and your great example of following Jesus and loving others well through all of these major life transitions. We hope the new job is going well. Hey, that's it for this week. Come on back next time as I chat with Ju Yang, an alumnus from UW-Stout. We'll hear a bit about his experience in a church focused on reaching younger generations of the local Hmong community, what his post-college walk with Jesus has been like, and even get to hear a bit about an unexpected love connection. All right. Make sure you follow or subscribe to your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss out. You can also find us at After Four Pod on Facebook and Instagram and stay up to date that way. And guess what? We have a regular email that started as well. Check out the show notes or our link tree to subscribe. Looking forward to our next episode together, everyone. Until then, see you next time, alumni.